Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another show. We are on the Raptors Over Everything feed brought to you by Yahoo Sports. You already know the deal. Subscribe on all of your podcast apps. Like, subscribe, tell your friends about it, comment below on YouTube as well. My name is Iman, and I am joined by Asad. Asad, what is up? Not much. Just getting ready for more Raptors preseason, getting excited for the season. Uh, Looking forward to what should be a fun time here on Yahoo Sports. I'm excited as well. This is going to be... This is going to be an exciting season. It kind of felt like last year you knew you were going to take your lumps and bruises, especially at the start of the season, without Pascal Siakam. But this Raptors team is finally, knock on all kinds of wood, because they're just about to play a game, but finally looking healthy to enter the season. And they're doing so in a very, very loaded Eastern Conference. We had the Hawks go and get, who do they go and get? DeJounte Murray? And they had not even Mitchell and DeJounte Murray, both DM names. It, like my brain does a little flip flop on which is which. And then the Cavs, of course, going and getting Donovan Mitchell as well. So they, as well, so they were up. They brought back all of their guys. So they look tougher. Sixers have gotten better up and down the Eastern Conference. It's really, really, really tough. And the Raptors have kind of stood pat this offseason. What do you expect from them? And how do you think they fit in with the rest of the Eastern Conference? Uh, I think the Raptors look great. I think, you know, they were probably in the top half of the East last year. Um, I think they're in the top six of the East, the East last year in terms of the quality of the team that they had. Um, and I think they kind of move like really again for the Raptors. The key thing comes down to health, right? Like I think when you have this many competitive teams that have like, you know, offensive firepower or, you know, like competence offensively, the thing that's going to really keep you uh, keep your floor up in a conference to stay competitive is going to be your defense. So the Raptors being a defensively competent team is probably what's going to win them a lot of games that might be 50, 50 in the regular season. It's how you kind of like build up those wins throughout the season, which gives them a chance to at least for a regular season team be really good. So if the offense can click and, you know, you have all these young guys who are like, you know, jarring at the bit to get better and have more usage. Uh, if they can make things click, they definitely have the pieces that fit. Um, in terms of like with their starting lineup, you have a bunch of guys who can do stuff on ball as needed, a bunch of guys who can help support you uh, and attack off the catch. So they have a lot of interesting pieces. They play a very interesting style. And for teams that just aren't going to be able to handle that much size on the wings, like all the way down from one through four, from two through four, uh, I think the Raptors can more or less just kind of barrel through them. So I think they're going to be fairly competitive in the East. I think for the regular season, at least, like I would, I would say their top end chances, they could go like 55 wins up to 60 wins. I personally think they're going to win 60, but that's just me every season saying 60 wins. Uh, but uh, I do think they're going to, like if everything clicks and they're healthy and their main guys stay healthy, 
than 55 60 wins like that type of range is entirely possible at the same end i think their floor even with a couple of injuries i think like 44 45 wins is probably the floor for this team anything below that would be incredibly disappointing uh but i think even if some things went wrong i think they could definitely recreate last season at the minimum uh, so I definitely see them being as fairly competitive. And then, you know, the playoffs are going to be the playoffs. And again, this is a young team. Um, sure, Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet, OG Ananobi, they have their experiences in the playoffs. Uh, but again, you're counting on a lot of guys that don't really have that playoff experience. So that's where, you know, you brought in Thad Young again. You brought Otto Porter in to help kind of solidify some of that veteran experience. So you're hoping to see that shine through in the playoffs. But I think this is definitely the year where you want to see the Raptors win a round or two in the playoffs and like show that they can be very competitive. And if everything clicks and they're ahead of schedule, then maybe they can actually, you know, go for a run in the playoffs this year. Uh, but otherwise, I think this is like, this is like a test year for the foundation of this team. Be like, hey, does this base actually have the chops to actually do anything? And if they can, then it's like, all right, the next year becomes your real like first year of like trying to actually contend. See, I'm optimistic about the team, but your optimism makes me look like a cynic. Like, I look so pessimistic right now. The the way that you're incredibly optimistic. I mean, what is the over and under for the team this year? I think it's 46.5. I know you don't gamble, but I would imagine if you were to and you don't, you'd be telling people to hit the over on that very, very, very hard. Oh, of course. <laughs> I think, I think 46.5 is interesting because, like, basically that number is what it's saying to you is, like, hey, do you think the Raptors are better than like the Cavs and the Hawks and these other teams? And a lot of people say no, because they've got the flashier names. They've got the more offensive firepower there. But again, those teams, do they have the same defensive depth? Do they go like the Raptors have like a legitimately solid, like they have NBA competent players to like their eighth or ninth man, but not just NBA competent players, like NBA competent defensive players up till their eighth and ninth man right so that's different than just having like a couple gunners off the bench who can yeah they can score 15 20 points in a game if like you give them more usage but that person can't defend at all right so i think in in the regular season the raptors are able like to withstand a couple injuries and continue playing their style and their specific style is so overwhelming like they're basically just bullying you on the boards right like offensive boards are just crashing and sending so much length at you I think there's just certain teams that'll have no sh- like no real shot at like being able to play with them, right? Where like it becomes on one end they're gonna zone the Raptors and make them shoot threes, which hey that's fun. Um, and then on the other hand, you're just gonna have the Raptors just like constantly switching and blowing up anything. So like teams that are relying on pick and roll offense are kind of getting screwed out of it, right? Usually the simplest thing for young teams to do is if they get like an on-ball creator, like say Kate Cunningham or uh, anyone else, I like, can't really think on top of my head but young team has an on-ball creator they're like all right we'll run a pick and roll spread offense and that'll kind of be the basics of it and then yo if we hit a lot of threes someone gets hot we can steal a game uh well the raptors can kind of blow that up right so similar to how the celtics when they were able to get their stuff to click last season the celtics won the last season being fairly young and having power for them team uh and then things kind of clicked for them their defense clicked into place and then every game it was like you're playing a team that's basically playing like playoff intensity defense against you and teams just don't have the time in the regular season to game plan for that, which is why I'm very optimistic on the Raptors because regardless of what happens this season, you know that Nick Nurse is going to get that defense humming at some point, and they're bringing back so many guys from last season. You have so much, um, uh, like, you don't have any turnover. So a lot of people know how to play in the system. I can see the first couple games being a little iffy defensively, 100%. 
because that's just how it is. And then once, you know, people kind of snap back into it and start playing with Verve, I think this really is going to come down to can Nick Nurse keep this team's focus on, like, and I don't think that should be a problem because I think the Raptors do a good job finding good culture fits and guys that really care about working hard. I don't think we have any guys on the team that don't work hard. So I think trying hard on defense, like if this team plays defense to the capability that it can all season, they're going to be very competitive and they should be seen as the higher end of those teams rather than on the lower end of those play in type teams. So I think they're going to be in the, like they're going to be more uh, on the cusp of cracking the top two, top three teams in the East. than they are going to be cracking the bottom two teams in the East is how I see it. Like, that's how I view the season. Like, things could go wrong, obviously, but I think they're more upward trajectory team than downward trajectory team. I'm with there um, on a lot of those points, and I do want to plug a piece that I will be having dropping sometime this week, speaking kind of to what you were talking about really right there with where the Raptors are in terms of cracking that upper echelon and how they sort of slot in with those other teams. Trey Young talking about an on-ball creator, pumping a ton of pick and rolls and kind of having a heliocentric offense really built around him and the Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, as well. Um, But I do want to talk a little, I want to get sort of dig deeper into the Raptors specifically as opposed to looking at the team as an entire base I want to focus in on specific players namely the core because if the Raptors are really going to do anything they're going to need help from their core main guys yes they probably do have the ability to sustain an injury more so than some of these other teams around the Eastern Conference just because they have so many guys who can slot in and play a similar style of defense when everybody is the same size um but a lot of the season is going to fall in their core guys. So I wanted to ask you, because I feel like this question is being bandied about a lot, Fred VanVleet's role with this team. What does that look like to you this season? Uh, same he was last season. Like Fred VanVleet was asked to carry an absurd role for the first half of the season. I don't think he's going to be have, have to do that again. But again, he's going to be like, you know, the guy who gets everything in shape. What was Kyle Lowry's role on this team over the 10 years that he was here, right? <laughs> he was never... Like, Kyle Lowry was never the number one scorer no. or the leading option at any point, right? Like, there were different roles he had to play. I mean, the times that he was, just to, yeah. point, just to highlight your point, the times that he was, what happened to him in the second half of the season? Very similar exactly. to what happened to Fred Van Vliet in the second half of the season. Yeah. So, Fred Van Vliet's a great fail-safe to have as someone who can become your number one scoring option for a few games if someone goes down. And you know that you he can get you 30 points. Like, he was showed last season that he can go all out and do that. Um but I don't think the Raptors want to use that sustainable approach. Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet is the second option being a weapon off the catch. Um, it's something that could be incredibly deadly, right? Like he could create so much for the team, just again, becoming like what was Kyle Lowry in all of his years here? It didn't really matter if he scored the ball or not. Every time you look at Kyle Lowry, it'd be like zero points plus nine, like in a game that they lost by 12. How did that happen? Who knows, right? <laughs> like that's how I think, again, Fred Van Vliet, like, if you're thinking that he's going to steal Kyle Lowry's role, uh, you know, basically word for word, bar for bar, I think that's what you're looking at. Like when you ask about what Fred Van Vliet's role is, he's going to end up becoming Kyle Lowry for this team, just at a higher volume of three-point shooting because it's a little bit more modern. I I think Fred has all the capabilities to do that. I also think Fred is an incredibly smart basketball player, and he's been a role player before. I don't think there's a lot of selfishness in Fred Van Vliet's game. People, I don't, I, people throw his moniker, they like to say, you know, a hog the ball stuff like that doesn't pass that much but again usually that's when he's in positions where you know he has a bunch of young players playing with him that aren't really doing what they need to do and he has to kind of force the issue 
I think Fred VanVleet is – you can trust Fred VanVleet to find the right role and find the right mix of when he needs to be on the ball, when he needs to be off the ball this season. I would trust him more than I think anybody else on the team. But he very much has shown that he has a very sound head on his shoulders, if anything else. It kind of feels like the – and this is not to patronize anybody else on the team, but he just has such an adult vibe to a team that feels so incredibly young, uh, just in terms of the pace on the court there as well. Um, also, I think the, the the selfishness, I feel like sometimes what people do is they take years past and they maybe focus in on maybe what the discourse was around a player. And I don't think it was ever selfishness from, from Five Emily. I think we can honestly say he has improved tenfold as a playmaker. He has improved as a guy who can run an offense um, where he did have maybe some tunnel vision initially. It's a similar thing that we can talk about DeMar DeRozan in his early years versus DeMar DeRozan in his later years. And I feel like sometimes people get stuck on those things. But Fred Van Vliet has proven last year exactly what he can do for this team. I think most people's fear is that they don't want him doing too much because we saw what happened with Kyle Lowry. But to your point, he's not going to really have to. For starters, Pascal should be healthy to start the year off and i think that that matters a ton and i think what if people want to look at like an example of this there was a game last year it was when the raptors came back and there were no fans in attendance when they had to cut fans out and i forget the team they're playing it was either the blazers the hawks or the clippers it was somewhere in there i forget the team also shout out to the gms for saying that the raptors had the best home court advantage which must have been a specific dig at the fact that for a good chunk of the season no raptor fans yeah so it was one of those games where there were no Raptor fans and it was like Hawks Clippers players. I forget which game, but it was basically a team that came. They didn't have many of their players playing. The Raptors should have won this game easily. It might've been Utah actually. I forget which one. And basically up until the third quarter, the Raptors are playing horrible basketball. They're not really getting it, it was Utah. They're not really playing defense. I think it was Utah. And then Fred Van Vliet just, and the Raptors had their guys healthy. Like Pascal's healthy. Scotty's healthy. People are playing in this game that are on starting lineup. And nobody's really taking it that seriously, playing that well. And Fred Van Vliet says, all right, screw this. I'm taking over. And just becomes the adult in the room, goes on a complete inferno. I forget what he had, 18 points, 20 points, something like that. Just by himself in that third quarter. insane. And just wipes out Utah's entire lead. An incredible performance to see. And that's something that, you know, we've seen Kyle Lowry do that. Where the Raptors are down. I'm literally gearing up to say that. Specifically against Utah, I, <laughs> Kyle Lowry has a vendetta against the Utah Jazz, similar to Vernon Maxwell. It is those two guys who have a specific vendetta against the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and that's that's where it's like, all right, you see that, and you can see Fred VanVleet is capable of doing that. And similar to what we've already seen Kyle Lowry fulfill as a role before, where it's like, okay, the team's not getting it done. Someone has to be the adult in the room and take over, and Fred VanVleet has the ability to do that. So it's great that he's able to do that. People saying that, oh, he's going to have to take a bit of a backseat. I think he's entirely capable of taking a backseat. And if anything that he's learned from Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry in the championship year, if anything, what he did was take a backseat so that a young player like Pascal Siakam, combo forward, could then become the second leading scorer on the team and shine. And then when it came playoff time in the finals, what, what did Kyle Lowry do? Come out, boom, 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 boom. Game six, we all know what happened, right? So I think... It's great that Fred VanVleet is as capable of a player as he is. He has an all-star caliber player, and he has the ability to shift his role as needed. Someone else uh, I wanted to focus in on specifically, 
there's another guard on the team. These are the two guys that don't really necessarily fit into what you think of when you think of a Toronto Raptor. Um, this is someone else who possibly has a big payday out ahead of him. And I think a lot of people are wondering, how does Gary Trent Jr. maybe fit on this team this season? We could talk down the line about how he fits on this team moving forward, unless you want to touch on it right now. But what are your thoughts on Gary Trent Jr.? I think Gary Trent Jr. is an awesome player. You know, he's uh, someone who can be a microwave scorer as needed. Like, he can kind of just create his own shot. If there's one thing Gary Trent Jr. is able to do is able to get a shot off. It's one of, like, for for him, like, the fact that he can kind of be in any angle and get a shot to the rim, that's a great skill to have. Like, it's – because a lot of times, like, guys will get jammed up. from the basket. Yeah. That's true, but he never has to get there. That's why it's great that he can get a shot off without having to get to two feet in the basket. But, like, you'll see times where Scotty, Pascal, OG, like, they're longer-limbed guys. They're bigger dudes. They can get cramped up in space, and it's hard for them to get the launch velocity, get the ball in here. Gary Trent Jr. never has a problem. Even if you cramp, cramp his space, he able to somehow get separation, get a ball in the air, and get it to the rim. Uh, he has a lot of great skills that kind of get the Raptors out of, like, you know, half-court messes as needed. And I think his role is... Perfectly fine on the team. With the starters, um, what's going to be key to see with that Gary five-man unit is, can they figure out the offensive hierarchy with those five guys? Because one of the things that they need to worry about is when you have five guys out there who can all kind of create and everybody kind of feels that they're somewhat equal in the creation, maybe you're playing a little bit more passively on offense where you're just like, all right, I'll pass him the ball and I'm just going to stand off ball and wait. Um, So figuring out who's like, instead of being passive with turn it is, if they can kind of figure out their rhythm as a starting unit and figure out where to attack, because Gary Trent with the starters should be a support piece, right? Someone who's catching and shooting off the three, attacking attacking the weak side once the ball gets swung to him, attacking the rotating de- defense, hitting the middle, making it one more pass or maybe finishing, right? Like his role is entirely as a finisher with the starters. Then with the bench, maybe he does a little bit more creation, right? I still don't uh, think Gary Trent as a being a number one option off the bench um with a bench unit would work because i think he just does he lacks the playmaking ability to make that work right now but i do think like, gary trench is an incredibly useful piece he's incredibly young and i think the entire goal of this season will be to figure out if he can work with that starting five if he doesn't work with that starting five then you might need to consider um does he work as a bench piece or do we have to maybe move him because he might be getting too expensive but i personally think that he should work in theory it should all work so he's an awesome piece to have like I, I only found out yesterday that Gary Trent Jr.'s wingspan is also something crazy. Like he has like a six nine, six ten wingspan on a six five guy. So it's pretty crazy. So I mean, you know. if you check out my piece, long ball, that's probably you would be able to see. You know, that Gary is a part of the um the very long, terribly named ape index. Um <laughs> Talking about some other people. Let's let's get into our long limb guys. Let's get into who this piece was actually about initially, and that is our Pascal Siakams, our OG Ananobis, and Precious Achuas. I know that all three of them carry very, very different roles for the team. I'm not saying that they all sort of take over in one spot, but can you can you give me some thoughts about maybe what to expect? Are you as high on Pascal Siakam? He's come into the season saying he wants to be a top five player in the NBA. Do you uh, I think see I'm, that in his future. And if not absolutely. him, you see it with Precious and him together. <laughs> uh, Precious is going to be a good player in this league. That's fine. I'm not going to talk about his potential right now, but uh, Pascal Siakam is going to be awesome. Top five. I think Pascal is one of those players who definitely has the ability to pump out a top five NBA season. DeMar DeRozan was able to have a top five NBA season, right? If anything, 
top five impact. Kyle Lowry had multiple seasons where he was like top five in impact stats every single season, right? Uh, but Pascal Siakam has Isaiah like, Thomas stole, yeah. stole his top five MVP in 2016, <laughs> and I and my heart still feel pain. Yeah, you know, if Pascal Siakam played for Boston, I'm sure that he would be a top five player. But uh, no, Pascal's awesome. I think he definitely has all the skills. The way he closed out last season, he was just incredible. The way he was making every right read, he was really pressing himself. Um, and he's playing aggressively. Uh, but I think if we get the same Pascal this season, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't. I think that he's found kind of the one thing I think we noticed last year was Pascal found confidence, uh, confidence in his own game. And that, like, I don't think he's ever thought it, he was a fluke, but any like imposter thoughts that he might have had are completely gone. Like, he was like, he is stamped as a player in the league, solidified. Uh, for sure. And I think this season, like, with the players around him knowing their role, and everybody seeing him as being that lead piece, there's definitely no reason for him not to be able, like, hey, if his shot's falling, he's going to be incredible. If he keeps his aggression up, he's going to be great. I think if he stays healthy, again, with Pascal, usually the thing is, like, he's really bad after any type of break. He's a guy who takes a couple reps to get his rhythm going, to get his touch shot falling. That's why usually after the All-Star break, he's going to have two or three bad games just because he's just out of rhythm. Or, you know, coming out uh, first couple games of preseason may not look like the touch isn't really going. But he has such a finesse with his touch that once he gets in a groove, it's just like, all right, the next 10, 15 games, it's a wrap. Pascal Siakam is wrapping up. And the fact of the matter is there's like very few teams that even have the personnel to be able to guard him in one-on-one coverage. And with the way the Raptors have built out their roster, they've built out some of their depth, the supporting guys, if they're healthy and they're there, you know, now if you have Otto Porter spotting up for you instead of Svee, maybe that guy doesn't come to help. Maybe Pascal does get you know, a much softer help defense to attack uh, and take his man off the dribble, right? So, again, as the roster gets better, as the guys around him get better, you should only expect better and better from Pascal because the more one-on-one coverage he gets, he's going to eat that alive. Like, Pascal catching in the middle of the floor is probably the most dangerous we've seen from a Raptors power forward, bar none. I don't even think Chris Bosh had it like that. I'll be dead honest. I think Pascal Siakam... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. By far better than Chris Bosh. I know people might get mad about that. Definitely as a Raptor, he's better. And I think this season we're going to see Pascal Siakam at least second team all NBA level. I, I, I honestly do believe the conversation with Chris Bosh, and it's a credit to him um, that he was able to completely change his game. But I think 
the conversation with Chris Bosh is people mixing in Miami Chris Bosh with Toronto Chris Bosh and assuming that that is one player, that you have this 20 and 10 guy who can space the floor and anchor a championship defense. And I'm so sorry, but those are two completely different players. One of them is LaMarcus Aldridge. The other one can anchor defense and space the floor. They are not, that was not all at one time. And it's a credit to Chris Bosh that he was able to transform his game in that way. But yes, Pascal, I just, what are people arguing when they say no to that? Like, I just don't understand it with the skill set that Pascal has I just I like I, I love Chris Bosch grateful for his time here in Toronto but what are we doing here um so you know we we talked about a lot of these guys right you know Fred Gary we spent a lot of time on Pascal as well OG Ananobi I think is someone that we've talked at length about Precious Achua best basketball player I've ever seen in my life um we've got so many young guys coming in as well with Delano uh looking really 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 great in in summer league summer league in preseason here as well and all of that without talking about our reigning rookie of the year scotty barnes now now in preseason he's had some rough goes goes of it but we've also seen some some bright spots here as well what is your thoughts on what scotty barnes role is on this team and is it completely a question mark if he can do whatever you know it depends on how quickly he develops and what he develops into but like what are your thoughts on what to expect from scotty barnes this season uh scotty barnes can make of this season whatever he really wants if he wants to go out there be aggressive and dominate the ball he's going to get that chance to do that if he wants to go out and get 20 points on a night there's nobody that's going to stop scotty from doing that on the team or at least stop him from getting that opportunity so really it just comes down to scotty it's the same issue i think i had with them last year is that there are just sometimes you have games where Scotty just starts off a little passive. And it's like, once you recognize that he's bigger, stronger, faster than a lot of dudes that are guarding him, and he plays with, you know, the appropriate aggression, the starting lineup has been perfectly fine with giving him the ball when he plays aggressive. Like when he demands the ball in the post, when he goes down, seals his man early, he's getting that ball, he's finishing. Uh, he gets the ball in the middle floor, clears out, calls what he wants. He can go at it. There was a game against uh, Washington last year where Scotty dropped like 30. He destroyed them in the paint, oh. but he got pulled like two minutes into the game because he was just like not really paying attention on defense, just kind of goofing around on offense. Like he just was playing so passively. He got sat down real quick, came back in, was aggressive from the jump at that point when he went back in and he drops 30 with ease, just dominating the paint. So again, with Scotty Barnes, I think this season that you're probably going to see him getting more reps as a ball handler. We've seen in preseason that he's been given the opportunity to run point guard with the hybrid units where he goes out there in second quarter he's running point guard he's the one calling the plays so getting learning that skill set that's not an easy skill set to learn just because he's a good passer just because he, he can make some no look passes stuff like that doesn't make you a point guard there's a lot more that goes into it there's managing the pace of the game knowing when you have to use your aggression um because again when you I get love the finesse passing, though i love the player yeah. No love the flare, but again, if you're it could be, it could be overtime, <laughs> there could be 30 seconds left. You could it could be a tie game, and he will no look past. <laughs> yeah, and that's fantastic. But uh it's just recognizing that when you're in that playmaking role, when you're in that passing mindset, when you're trying to get other people going, um, to make sure that you don't yourself become passive. Like, yes, you are passing the ball, but if he becomes passive, he has to understand that he is the ultimate advantage creator in that possession he's the one on ball so he can create the advantage whenever he wants and he has all the skills to do it he has the size to do it so the biggest thing with scotty this year is just going to be his aggression level the games he's aggressive he's going to do really well the games where that aggression is missing it's going to struggle and the raptors are going to give him possessions and the raptors team might struggle if he's not being aggressive with those possessions so i think scotty could do everything i could he could do 
18, 10, and five. He could do 25, eight, and eight. Like, there, we've seen like him have games uh, all over the spectrum, right? Last season, where he was just completely dominant. And there's no reason why he can't be a little bit more consistent with that. But whatever the results are, whatever the stats are, the thing that we really want to see from Scotty Barnes is consistent aggression, consistent focus in games, and just coming out with a game plan and knowing, knowing, like keeping his, uh, like you can't really control whether the shots go in or not. Like some days shots go in, some days they don't. But you can control how, like your level of aggression, your level of effort in a game, and like your mentality of the game. So that's what I think as he matures as a player is going to be most important to see. So if he's a second year player playing like, you know, a second year player on the Sacramento Kings where you have no development system or you're allowed to do whatever you want every day, then yeah, we're going to see some mixed results. Take that if out he, the universe. But if he comes out like a second year player where he's like, I don't know, going Mamba mentality where everything's about professionalism every single moment and you just have to Take murder that your out opponent. The universe too, no? Like, but, th- but that, those are like the two like spectrums, ends of the spectrum, right? It's just kind of how professionally he wants to take his season, whether he still sees himself as, ah, it's just my, sec- it's just my second year in the league, or if he see- sees himself as, no, I'm, I'm a player in this league and I, I want to actually win games, right? And I'm not saying Scotty doesn't have that in them. He seems to be a very competitive person. But, you know, young players are young players. He's only like, what, 21, 22 years old. So, you know. Not, not 22, 21, I believe. Um, so that's, I think that's really important. And I, I wanted to bring it to the Scotty Barnes point because my next question for you is, you know, we kind of talked about what sort of tier the Raptors are in. They're sort of knocking at the top tier, but they're still in the second tier with those Cavs, with those Hawks, even if they feel like they're on the higher end of that. What do you think it needs to be to catapult the Raptors into that first tier with the Bostons and the Milwaukee's and the Philadelphia's? Like what needs to happen from the Raptors perspective to get themselves into there? And can it happen this season? Uh, 100% it can happen this season. I think if their defense locks in and they play like a top, not top 10 defense, but like top five defense in the league, like what catapulted Boston last season? They became the best defense in basketball for the second half of the year. and you can say, oh, they have Jason Tatum and they have Jalen Brown. They have these incredible offensive nights. Nothing that those guys are doing on any given night are things that you haven't seen Raptor players also do. Like Pascal Siakam's also had incredible offensive nights. Fred Van Vliet's reached incredible offensive heights. Scotty Barnes has done amazing stuff. OG Ananobi's done at 36 points at the Garden, right? Like These are guys that like they can have their nights and maybe it's a level of consistency, but the key for this Raptors team, again, is going to be they have so much defensive talent they really don't have the answers not to figure it out this season. And it's the sooner they figure out that they can be a top three defense in the league, top like like top tier defense in the league, then suddenly everything clicks into place. Because once you have the defense of a championship team, there is enough offensive talent to cobble together an offense that can get them there. And that's when you start knocking on the door. That's the are they are they a true true contender? Like are they going to win the NBA Finals? That's yeah. tricky. Again, when you get to the yeah. NBA Finals, all bets are off. The healthiest team and the team that can execute best is going to win. Um, and when you have a lot of youth executing every single play to perfection, that's where it's difficult. That's why you saw a team like Boston. Everyone sees them as a contender. They got to the finals. Why did they lose? It wasn't just that their offense kind of fell apart. They were just turning the ball over like every other person, just like not executing even the simplest of plays. And it's just that's where inexperience shows, right? So the Raptors yeah. are definitely going to show inexperience. You're always going to see that. But what you want to see is, can they bring their defense to the level of a championship team? They have no reason not to be able to. They have everything they need to be a defensively top-tier team. 
And then offensively is how good can they get at executing their offense? Can they execute at a pro- with a professional mindset or are they going to execute with a mindset that doesn't really take the game as seriously? Um, and that's kind of like, again, championship quality teams, that's what they have. And that's kind of what you want to build towards to the end of the season is like, how much do they value each possession of a game? I think that's a, a really good point. And I just, I'm looking this up here. So last season, um, until January 1st, so for the first about 32 games of the season for the Raptors, they were the 21st ranked defense in the league. 21st ranked defense. Do you want to wager a get where they, do you want to wager a guess for what they were from January 1st until the end of the season? So 50 games. So we're talking about 32 bottom 10 defense. But for the final 50 games of the season, do you want to wager a guess with where their defensive rating was? I would imagine like top, at least top 10 at the minimum, right? Like top five, maybe. They were the sixth best defense, a smidge, mm, so tiny smidge behind Miami. And Miami paid like five less games at this point. So, you know, it could have been the difference there, um, especially because the Raptors were so injured in that March. Um, but, I, but I think that kind of goes to your point exactly. You know, the Raptors do have the ability to catapult themselves into the top five, top three defense if they manage to stay healthy for the entirety of the season. They were just so, so so bad at the start of last year and we know the reasons for that we're not going to rehash that anymore and one thing to remember is this is the eastern conference this isn't the western conference where they don't play defense this is the eastern conference every single eastern conference finalist since lebron james like the team that's represented the eastern conference in the finals has been a defensive juggernaut right whether it's been the raptors whether it's been the bucks whether it's been the celtics whether it's been the heat all four of those teams exact same base characteristics is they were based off of just like a highly switchable, highly adaptable defense that was just tops in the league where they were shutting you down from scoring and then the offense, they could figure it out. Right. And that's where like, I think to win the Eastern conference, and if you look around right now, like the teams that do the best in the East right now, if you look at the top tier, they're all, at least the ones that actually did well last season, were all defensive juggernauts. The teams that yeah. do you think are going to do well and then did poorly, like the Brooklyn Nets, they're a great offensive team. Um, and of course they had their completely different issues there. But again, like if you can't guard at some point, you're going to run into a playoff matchup where you're asking a lot of Kevin Durant, you're asking a lot of Kyrie Irving to create every single night. And then on the other end, they're just getting battered defensively because they just don't have the personnel. So teams are getting easy buckets on them, which shouldn't be. And on the other end, they have their, the, some of the best offensive talent in the NBA, but they're having to face set defenses, which are just like, the Celtics of the world, the Bucks of the world, like these are really good defensive teams, right? Like you're asking a lot yeah. that tires you up for seven games. So I think in the Eastern Conference, the path to contention is definitely first, have your defense. You need to have a very, very, very competent defense that can switch and adapt to any style. And then go get your offensive superstar. Go get like an offense and get enough players that can, you know, get you enough points. Miami was literally a, like one, like a three-pointer away like a Max Struess heel no, on the Max, line away from the NBA you. finals. That's how close thank they were. You. And that team could not score on any possession to save their life. They were that good of a defensive team. So again, like that's, this is what we're talking about, right? How to compete in the East. There is clearly a way to do it. There's a very common structure that all these contenders are using in the East. And if you look at the Raptors, the Boston's Hawks, and the Cavs. offense failed them yeah. constantly in the playoffs, yeah. right? Like, and when you look at the, the Raptors, Hawks, and Cavs, like if those are the three teams that you're 
kind of comparing, which of those teams defensively sounds the most sound to you? Like the Cavs have this the giant, the, the Cavs are just completely don't have any wings to guard with, right? They have these two tiny guards, and then they're basically like, hey, our defense is entirely built on these two giant dudes at the rim, and we're just going to pray that everything else works great out. Great right? defense. Which is, good, which is a great idea. But again, like until how you adaptable go up against the Boston Celtics. <laughs> until it's it's a great defense until you see Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum in front of you, and you're like, oh. Um, but, but I think it it all works because of the unicorn that is Evan Mobley, who can guard out on the perimeter. But it'll really be interesting to see how that Cavs team works out. But the Raptors, as you mentioned, it big wings, and that's what you kind of need, especially in the Eastern Conference, where you have. You've got James Harden. You've got Kevin Durant. You've got Jason Tatum. You've got Jalen Brown. Just up and down the list, you've got a bunch of perimeter guys. And then um, you and need so like 30 fouls for Giannis Antetokounmpo. So like you need to have, <laughs> you can't just have one, guy, you, did, you don't need to have just one dude that size to guard Giannis. You need like four of them because you know at least three of them are fouling out in the game, right? So like that that's kind of what you need to survive the Eastern Conference and the Raptors have it. Like that's what the roster is. So I'm I'm very high on the Raptors. Uh, All right. I know I like I want to close this out. You kind of already gave it to us, but this is this is your prediction set in stone. I don't want a range of numbers. I don't want if everything goes right or if everything goes. I just want a prediction from you to close this out. Where do you predict? I'm gonna get two things from you. Where the Raptors finish. And second, what their defensive rating will be. First, second, third, fourth, fifth in the league when the season is done. Those are my two questions for you. I think the Raptors are going to be the second seed in the East. Jesus! And they're going to have a third-ranked defense in the league. Second seed in the East is good for how many games? Honestly, could they be the one seed? Maybe they are the one seed. No, we're not jinxing them like this. This is far too high. I've been I think, very I, here's the optimistic. thing. I think I think <laughs> I think I think we're looking at 57, 58 wins. But what? if I if it's 58 wins, that's the one seed. So But they can't. Oh, here's the thing. I'm not with sure you on a lot of this. I'm with 58 you. wins, first seed in the regular season. They maybe lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is yeah, I'm yeah, they're with you on a lot of things. I'm very, very optimistic about this Raptors there team. There you go. But I do think I do I do think that we should have some questions, mainly their ability to score. Because yes, I agree with you. Defense wins games. There's a reason why the Hawks second best offense in the league last season and finished with the ninth best record in the Eastern Conference. Right? Like <laughs> there's a reason for that, and it's because you really need to have a great defensive team. And I do believe I made I, I made a prediction yesterday on Dishes and Dimes <laughs> where I did say that my prediction was that the Raptors had a top three defense. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel kind of crazy saying this. Um, but that was like my bold, my bold prediction, just spoiling it for you guys. Um, and then I walked it back almost immediately to top five. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm a coward. Um, but <sighs> second seed feels crazy. Here's my thing. I kind of have them. Oh, no, 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 I'm done with the I have them as I a three seed. The I see them as the one seed. That's okay. I think, Here's the thing. I, I think have that them they have they they have more incentive to win all the games they possibly can. That's okay. Than That's a lot exactly of why I think they can get there. I don't okay. think that they're the best team in the East. Don't get me wrong. No, I just no, I agree with you. Win. I agree with you, and that's okay. So, so that was my logic in putting them where I did. For one, I'm like, okay, there are three teams in the East that I think are in the top tier: Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. I think that they're 
solidified themselves as a you know tier above the Raptors, whether or not the Raptors can get there. I think that they're above. But I'm like, all of them shouldn't really put the foot on the gas. Like, Brooke Lopez is 100 years old, and we kind of saw with Brooke Lopez out of the lineup what that kind of did for not only the Bucks defense, but just their record in general. And I do think that they took the foot off the gas. Drew Holiday, also a year older. Chris Middleton, also a year older. We're talking about guys on the quote-unquote wrong side of 30. So I just see them not gunning as hard, even if they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't know that he, you know, needs another MVP trophy. I'm sure he'll want to get one. But I think the Bucks are comfortable taking a step back so that they're healthy come playoff time and don't have to deal with what they did last season. So I can see them not winning as many games. Philadelphia 76ers. I can see them, especially with Harden being older. I can see them. I kind of have them as my one seed, but I it wouldn't surprise me if they were a better playoff team than they were a regular season team. I know that might surprise lots of other people, but and the Boston whole mess. So who knows? So I think it's very possible, but I think it's like one of those teams are going to drop down. And so two of them, and because at the end of the day, the Raptors can't shoot. <laughs> and I think that that matters. I don't know. I don't think the Raptors can't shoot. I think the Raptors can shoot. I think they have a fair bit of shooting. I just think that, like, I think it really, I guess it really depends on how healthy, Otto, if Otto Porter isn't healthy. That's fair. To start the season, then not maybe that Otto can't, not that much shooting. But I think, like, if Otto's back for the season, Malachi's back for the beginning of the season, I think they can put enough shooting in those lineups. Precious been fine to shoot again like i think people are getting a little bit lost in preseason where you don't know how many workouts those guys are doing in the day before they go to the game you don't know kind of how serious people are even taking the game or what i'm lost in preseason in the regular season where you know somebody you actually care if you win or lose the game are the guys being a lot more serious about their regiment when they're on the road versus in a preseason game where hey we're in houston the night before a game you know maybe we go and enjoy ourselves it is <laughs> Right. So again, like there's a lot of extraneous factors other than it just being like a video game and being like, oh, this guy's three point shooting rating is low. But uh, I think the Raptors have enough shooting on the team. Like, obviously, you could always have more shooting. Uh, not saying against. I think they definitely have more shooting this season than they did last season to start. And again, it's they're going to be a defense first team. They're going yeah. to get a lot of offensive rebounds. They're going to cause a lot of turnovers. That's where they're going to build their point spread. Uh, and I think they're going to get a lot of the wins that way. I just think that, I don't know, in the third week of November, when it's like the second the second game in three nights for the Bucks, are they, is Mike Budenholzer really going to care? I think for it? the Raptors, yes. But I think that not, team in particular. We are their Detroit Pistons. They are getting up to play the Raptors. Giannis gets a 32 minutes in a game. Mike Budenholzer's like, all right, I'm, I'm sitting That's here. maxed out. That is yeah. maxed out Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, I just don't see them going for it in a regular season game like that. Um, again, maybe the East is that competitive that teams are going to have to. I don't think so as much. I think that like those top tier teams are going to, they're going to win every single game against like, bad teams in the league. We also don't know which teams are going to fall out of the play in race and start tanking, um, which, you know, is definitely going to be vicious this year. I don't know if the play in the, the bubble teams on the play in are going to be that, uh, you know, hyped. motivated. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be a lot more teams trying to get into the lottery than they are the play in this year. Um, so that's out west. But no, I agree. I agree with you on all points. Those are all yeah. games on the schedule. Those are all games on the schedule, and that's where like you're gonna like these good teams are gonna destroy all those teams. They're gonna have a big win cushion in the regular season, so they're like, all right, well, we're locked into like a, a top four seed. So maybe we don't need to try as hard in you know on any 
specific given night, right? And that's where I think the Raptors have no reason not to get a win. Same way I think the Cavs, like the Cavs are probably going to have a, like if they get their chemistry together and they can figure it out, I think that's going to be their issue to start off is figuring out how all those pieces mix and Evan Mobley being healthy. But again, if they figure it out, that team has no reason not to gun for as many wins as they can in the regular season. And they're probably going to be have a regular season seed that is higher than their actual playoff quality. Um, and I can see the Raptors being one of those teams too. Again, like how many times did we go into the playoff uh, playoffs as like a one or two seed and then LeBron James, the four seed goes and sweeps us. Right. So like the, that's how I can kind of see like the season going where it's like, we get a high seed going to the playoffs, lose to a lower seeded team in the second or third round, potentially just because of experience. And like those guys are, you know, much more mature superstars. So it is what it is, but. I mean, that's fair. You know what? I love your optimism. I'm not going to take it away from you. I'm really looking forward to games that end in 79-68. I don't know. Um, But I'm very excited for this regular season. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, Looking forward to the rest of the season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.